Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. The lead up to surgery is often a highly anticipated time. There's plenty of nerves, there's adrenaline, there is a massive countdown, and then it's done and you're healed. So what happens after everything settles? This episode, we're gonna ask Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor to tell us about what happens after the healing is done. Are there any emotions that come up and what happens if you want more? Welcome, Kim and Richard. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Tell me what kind of emotions does a patient go through after plastic surgery, Kim? I think patients generally go through uh, the whole range of emotions. It can often be a, quite a roller coaster ride. There are some people that are just, you know, they're, they're super pumped about having their surgery. Um, they're really awesome attitude from start to finish and they kind of breeze through all their recovery, no dramas whatsoever. But that that's probably less common than people that are still super excited about having surgery but really really nervous in the lead up to it they get through the procedure and whilst in hospital kind of you know the first thing is sort of happy that they're um got through the the surgery and then they're um recovering and and that can be the first few days um usually not super painful but discomfort um depending on what procedure they've had um i do find that a lot of breast reduction patients in particular are quite surprised at how um, not painful that they are afterwards, which is always a, a nice surprise for patients because I think I think people generally fear for the worst um, in that early post-operative period. We've got amazing anaesthetists that we work with and um, amazing nurses on the wards of the hospitals that we're at. And so they're really, really good at looking after patients' pain requirements, but also their emotional requirements a bit as well. And, you know, generally very, very supportive and encouraging. Once people go home, they can, uh, you know, whilst they're sort of struggling to to do get back to normal life, I guess, which can take quite a variable amount of time, um, can really go through that sort of roller coaster of like, oh my goodness, why have I done this to myself? When they're sort of struggling a little bit and they've got some discomfort, or finding that it's a bit harder to move, and then, you know, looking at themselves in the mirror and sort of think, oh yeah, wow, that looks amazing, and then the next day they kind of look and it's, they're a bit more swollen or bruised, and like, oh, you know, what have I done to myself again and um, so it can really be quite up and down and I think to steal one of Richard's quotes actually um, the when when you're looking at your outcome it's like don't love it or hate it um, for at least I think is it six weeks or 12 weeks that you generally say um, depends on my mood it's sometimes six months yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, a lot of these procedures, uh, you can you can really get a good 
idea of how things are going to look like on the first day um but then it's still sort of you know like there's pain there's discomfort the posture's not um right particularly after a tummy tuck and so you know it really is quite an up and down and i often would say that patients probably in that two to three week mark generally turn the corner of oh thank goodness that was that was pretty tough the first week or two but now you know thank goodness i've got through that bit and now i'm you know i'm starting to feel back to my myself again so it's pretty normal for people to kind of go as well as the happy emotions they still have worry as well a little bit of regret not so much regret but a definitely an emotional roller coaster. It's difficult to sleep. Um, I think we underestimate how important sleep is just in general life. And so when you're not sleeping, that causes stress and then you're stressed so you can sleep less and then that impacts how you're healing and your mood during the day. So I don't think there's so much that it, it's regret. It's just uh, dealing with all of those things and and. Just because you've had surgery doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, your children maybe understand what you're going through um, or friends. other. And sometimes you maybe not, you're trying not to tell certain people and so you're trying to keep up a facade that, you know, there's nothing wrong and I just can't come and see you because I'm, I'm busy at work or whatever. Um, so all of that adds to the stress. But uh, as Kim said, I think by two or three weeks, usually things have settled down. Uh, and people feel more their their, their mm. usual selves. So after they've turned that two to three week corner, and they kind of get a bit of a glow on, I guess, of having a new body. Um, what happens, and how long does that actually last for? Does it last forever? Yeah, it does. Of course, it lasts forever. <laughs> um, we um, that that that's one of the most uh, amazing things with uh, with the, the work that we're in that we get to see. The positive impact that our, our surgery can have. So once, uh, and not only does it last forever, I think it keeps on getting better. And you, you often see women, Kim and I obviously do mainly body work, but you often see women who've had their surgery, they're incredibly happy and grateful at four and six weeks, but it almost gives them a launching pad to then take it a bit further and, and they maybe get more into exercise. Uh, we've got one patient who has become a hula hoop champion for, I think, Australia now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that was a thing. I'm encouraging you to do the same. It, it is, yeah, and, and it's caught on with uh, me. But now other patients are starting to, to do the hula hooping and they then just become even fitter and um sometimes lose more weight and all of that just enhances the uh the so surgical you're saying result. it almost has a snowballing effect in terms of positivity and the way that people treat their bodies is that the case nice way to put it i like that <laughs> snowball <laughs> yeah it's good and also um I- i've seen in particular say a patient will come in um and they'll say look my primary concern is my breasts i've got you know, huge breasts i've always wanted a breast reduction and you know maybe i don't like my tummy so much as well and i'm sort of thinking about that and we talk them through both procedures and say like you know you could have them together or you could split them and and so oftentimes they may be like look up you know the breast is a focus so they'll have that surgery and then they may then sort of have be super happy with the result from that and then notice that their tummy then doesn't match 
their breasts and so be motivated to either lose some more weight and then have more surgery. Um, and it's certainly not something that we we try to upsell patients at all on um, those sort of things, but it is, you know, they people will have some one thing done and then um, can th that bit they're super happy with and kind of think, well, you know, I can improve on other parts too if if I really mm. want to. And in terms of those people that have a really good experience and come back and maybe get the extra operation that they did the first time around, how long is usually the gap between recovery, surgery and recovery and when you can go in for your next surgery? It depends a bit on which surgery and I would people commonly ask this um, when, you know, how quickly can I have the next procedure? And I'd have to say that is it's generally social factors rather than surgeon or surgical factors that are the delaying point. So it's not so much that you haven't recovered enough or that um, you, you, you've still got swelling that you can't then go on for the next operation. Other things come up in life. So you can't get the time off work. There's holidays. Um, you're busy with work. Uh, and so it's more common that um, patients would be saying, uh, I, I, can I do this next school holidays rather than us saying, oh, no, you've got, still got to wait. Um, the only difference would be, and we've talked about before, about breast lift and breast augmentation, which we often split. That's a little bit different. We would generally recommend about six months until the breast is totally softened and um, the, the final shape of the breast from the lift has taken effect before we do the breast augmentation. But in terms of operating on different parts of the body, it, it's more generally patient factors than surgical factors that are the delaying point. Mm. One of the things that we've covered once in another episode um, is the drop in fluff. It comes up quite a lot when someone gets breast surgery. Um, what is that for one? And at what stage does it happen, Kim? It, interesting term. And the first time I ever heard this was actually from a patient. Um, and it, and it's, it's certainly not a medical term, but you know, us as doctors have, have picked it up because patients, I guess, understand a bit what it means. And it's related to um, primarily breast augmentation. So when we put implants into a breast or they actually go underneath the breast or under the muscle under the breast, what that is is introducing obviously a certain amount of volume which is what the implant is and so that stretches up the tissues where there hasn't been anything there before and so the breasts and the implants look quite full and quite high and quite tight and so what the I believe really what the drop and fluff process is is the softening of the breast tissue and so it relaxes a little bit and it's less sort of like tight and shiny and the implants give the impression that they're actually dropping whilst I I really don't think the implant position changes a whole lot. It's more the tissues around the outside of them um, relax and settle down a bit more. And, and that's certainly a process that if you took a photo every week and a lot of our patients that have had surgery and go through surgery that they they do photograph themselves on a weekly basis and there are quite a lot of changes that happen mostly in that first six weeks but um, even still if you're taking a photo 
even weekly or monthly, um, between three months and 12 months, you're still going to see some subtle changes there. So every patient's a little bit different, but something like a breast augmentation, there are going to be subtle changes happening um, probably for up to a year. Um, whilst the, most of those are in the first couple of months, things are still going to look a little bit different as time goes on. And in saying that, it's not, you know, they're not going to change completely differently to look to, to change the, the whole appearance and to, to get worse but it is just some relaxing and softening of the tissues over time. Obviously every surgery is different and has a different recovery period but is there a general rule that once you get to say six months a year that that's normal for you now that's the way it's going to look and stay hopefully forever? Yeah so I don't think it's linear so I don't think it's not sort of over time there's this steady decrease and, and you get to a certain point. There's definitely a very steep part of the slope in the first six weeks. So in the first six weeks, the majority of the swelling and bruising and all of that decreases. But then over even the next six months, 12 months, even two years, as Kim was just saying, if you look back at the time, you maybe aren't aware of it as much. but if you look back at generally at photos and compare yourself at a year to six months, you will notice that there still has been further improvement. And even less subtle again, from two years back to 12 months, again, you'll, you will notice improvements, even, but they'll be much more subtle. So it'll be the scar will have softened, the scar will have faded more. And also with swelling, that's an interesting one. So at the start, everything is just swollen. All the adjacent tissues are all swollen. You do then get to a point where a lot of the swelling has gone, but people still notice swelling after certain activities. So you might notice if you went for a run or you went for a vigorous walk or went to gym or yoga, whatever, that you're a bit more swollen after that um, than you were before, before that um, exercise. And so, but that decreases as well. That's also interesting in that, I, I mean, I hear this a lot from patients, but I think some of it is some swelling, but some of it might actually be normal as well. But when people are maybe bigger and they've got loose skin and big breasts and they don't maybe notice, you know, a, a, a one or 2% increase in swelling, but when they're, we've done a tummy tuck or, or breast reduction and everything's much firmer, flatter, uh, thinner, you do notice one or two percent, but that was maybe happening before anyway. Now, Kim, before you kind of touched on um, photos, people taking photos and keeping a, a journey of their surgery, obviously on your Facebook and a lot of other social media to do with plastic surgery, a lot of women that have gone through it love to share updates even months years later they still seem to get a thrill out of kind of getting chatting to each other and talking about it how much is that part of the journey sharing your experience with other people for some of our patients it's a massive part of it because i think they those type of patients in particular they had probably been helped by seeing photos of other people's while they were going through their journey and it gives them the reassurance that oh you know oh my goodness like I look crazy and everything looks a bit 
full and swollen and a bit tight at the start and then they look online and they see comments from other people. It's like, yeah, I went through the exact same thing and, you know, th there's only so much reassurance that Richard and I and our nurses can give patients be like, yeah, yeah this is all normal and it's part of it. But if they're actually hearing that and seeing that from other patients that have been through the exact same procedure, it does give them a massive amount of um, reassurance that, you know, they are on track and that they are, you know, going on the the path that everyone else has kind of trodden before them. Um, and in saying that, obviously, if, if someone does have real concerns about their wounds or that one side's different from the other, if they've got redness, then absolutely we would want to know. We don't want them to go into the internet or um, to forums as their first port of call if there's something medically wrong. Like We really want to be hearing from and, uh, and seeing our patients if they've got any specific concerns. But just the general routine post-operative course is unbelievably powerful for these patients to be helping each other and so much so that they're all discussing pre-surgery what kind of things they need in their homes and making videos of their pillow uh, pillow forts in particular and the mini pillows that they can have to um, prop them up in bed and then links to um, things like recliner chairs to rent those and um, all those sort of things that our patients actually know a lot more about than we do and can inform each other more. And just in terms of sharing of the photos, like, there's certainly a bunch of our patients that are super private and they probably take photos for themselves and they never, ever show them to anyone ever again. But there's people that are just so happy and interested and intrigued in the whole process that they go through and that they document the entire journey from pre to, to many months post-op. And the other thing to say is that a lot of the photos that uh, before and afters, clinicals that photos that we have, a lot of our post-ops are at three or four months because that's the last time we often see patients because they're um, everything's gone fine. They come in, that, that's the last time we need to medically be reviewing them. And if there are those sort of subtle changes afterwards that we actually don't get to see them and we don't get to photograph a lot of our patients at 12 months or two years when their scars have faded and, you know, really difficult to see. But if, if patients are then uploading their own journey and showing off their scars at that long term to other patients, it, it is actually quite powerful and useful for us and for them as well to be like, you know, we're always like, yeah, your scar's pink, it'll fade as time goes on. But to be able to see that as living proof of other people's photos is, it is great. It must feel good when you see a patient put something up a year or two later and you know that it's good. They're good. They haven't come back to you. Um, you know that they're doing fabulously. One thing that I did want to talk about is um, this will impact very few people, but it is kind of the dark side of the post-surgery glow. People who love the adrenaline, they love the rush, they love the comments that they get and possibly move to getting a plastic surgery addiction. How rare is it and how do you spot it and stop it from happening, Richard? People talk about it. I can't say I've actually seen it. And as we've, we've talked about, I mean, part of our decision, part of our consultation process is assessing the patient. And if, if someone isn't a legitimate candidate for a particular operation, we're not going to offer it. Again, I had a patient this week who uh, came to a consultation and she was basically telling me what operation 
that I should be doing for her, which I didn't think was the right operation. I, so I said, look, this isn't exactly how it works. Um, <laughs> what you're suggesting isn't going to give you the result that you want, mm. even though it has less scars and I, I can understand why you want to do that. But I'm not going to do that for you because you're not going to get the result that you want. And interestingly, she'd been to see, she then revealed that she'd been to see another doctor, not a surgeon. And that doctor said, yeah, sure, I'll do all of that. And she, she then, she said, and I thought that was weird. Uh, so, I mean, that's a slightly different scenario that she wasn't someone, she wasn't someone who'd had surgery and then just wanted endlessly more. But it makes the point that just because you come to see us and say, you've had a, a tummy tuck and now you say you want to have a, a breast augmentation. If we don't think you're suitable for that surgery, you're not a good candidate, you're not going to get the result that you think that you're going to get, then we will then just tell you that. We won't do it. Um, we, we do turn down, a, a, it's not a huge number, but there's certainly a percentage of patients who come to see us and, and we don't think they're appropriate for surgery for one reason or another. So I don't see it so much, I'd have to say, but we're, you know, it's part of our process anyway. And finally, do you find that the majority of patients that come to you say that they feel different afterwards? Do they feel like a different person after they've had plastic surgery done? I mean, <laughs> certainly yes, uh, they do. Um, it, it, and they're obviously still the same person, but what it's done is it's brought out aspects of their personality that has maybe been suppressed because they didn't feel confident or they didn't feel happy in their body. So they're still the same person, but um, there may be a, a better version. And I've heard this from our patients. They're a better version of themselves or uh, they resemble uh, how they felt when they were maybe younger or fitter or thinner or, uh, you know, um, at a different stage in their life. So I don't, I don't think people don't undergo a personality transformation, but I think it often can uh, bring out aspects of their personality that maybe weren't as prominent um, prior to their operation. And, and there are some procedures that, that can allow people to do things that they, they physically couldn't do before. So um, if someone's got really significant muscle separation in their abdomen and that they really struggled to do core type of work or ride horses or um, do lots of different exercise. And the other thing is with very, very large breasts and then they have a reduction, again, they can find um, it's so much easier to do particularly physical things. And I have had, and I say horse riding because I, I know I've had probably at least five patients that have had like real passion for horse riding and they're just like, I can't, I can't go out riding on my horse because my breasts are so big and so painful and uncomfortable. Um, and so it opens up those avenues of their life that they, they really enjoyed when they were younger and they can get back into now. Um, and the other thing is being able to buy bathers. That's another really, really big comment. <laughs> and that they can, you know, for even take their grandkids or their kids to the pool or the beach because they can actually buy something that they can wear and feel comfortable in going in public to a, a swimming pool. So it does open up things that where they've restricted themselves in the past. Um, whilst it doesn't completely change your personality, as Richard said, but it, it can, you know, just make them feel like their lives are a bit freer to do 
some things that they had had not been able to do um, for uh, oftentimes physical restrictions in the past. Well, that solves a massive mystery for me because I was wondering who had cornered the horse riding market because I've only had one horse riding patient <laughs> and I'm just watching Yellowstone on the series at the moment on TV so I can I can understand now you know. why you would want to have smaller press. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There's a flag. If you want a horse ride, come and see me, not Richard. <laughs> there you go. You can put that on your next advertisement. Kim, in terms of someone that is coming in for surgery, is there anything that they should ever flag with you before or during the consultation that will help them in the long run have the best recovery and the best surgery possible? So if someone has known psychological condition that's been managed and treated and they're on medication, I would always recommend that they discuss with their GP or their psychologist or their psychiatrist prior to their surgery that that's what they're planning on having done because during that roller coaster recovery period, if they do find that their mood is dropping or that their anxiety is um, getting the better of them, then it's really, really good to have other medical people on board that know them well and know how to treat those side of things for them more. So um, I think it's really important to be open and honest to all of your healthcare practitioners about the surgery that you're planning on undergoing and um, and also be open to us about those kind of conditions. It's fine. It's common. And it's good just to have a network of doctors and um, people around you that can help uh, during that recovery period if you need it. All right. Well, look, it's been a lovely episode. It's a really interesting aspect of how surgery makes people feel in the long run. Thank you for joining us again, Kim and Richard. Thanks for having us, Alex. Thanks, Alex. And of course, and of course, we are going to do an episode at some point in the future. We're going to answer all the frequently asked questions. So please head to ReGirls on Facebook or hit up our Instagram page. Ask anything. Doesn't matter how odd, embarrassing, random, whatever. Even if it's just basic, feel free to get in touch and we will try to cover that off in an episode soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media.